<laughs> it would be a wolf, but eh? Good evening, football fans across the globe and YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, wherever you may be. Uh, it's little Dan hosting tonight's Wolves Fancast World Cup preview episode. And tonight I've got with me the ravishing Rich Hobbs and the luxurious <laughs> Lukey Thompson. Uh, how are we going, Rich? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm not quite sure if I've got World Cup fever yet. It's simmering. I don't think anyone's really kind of spiked yet, but... I'm hoping after this preview, it's going to be right up there to, you know, be really pumped up for Ecuador, Qatar. Luke, I know you've uh, got very strong opinions on um, vaccines and jabs, but have you had the World Cup fever jab yet? <sighs> Can't catch it, mate. I'm really Can't struggling to catch it. Do you know what I was thinking earlier? I got my England flag out the um, the airing cupboard earlier. And I just thought, no fuck has got one up. I've not seen one. Just... You've not been around Stu's house? Oh, my God. Dread to think. But if Stu hasn't got World Cup fever, then no one's got World Cup fever. It's as simple as that. There's just, there's just a lot of people out there who, who, who are boycotting the World Cup. I mean, Nelson Samado and Jean Martino, absolute strong efforts to boycott the World Cup. Paul, they've played for Wolves this season. <laughs> That's a, did, who's who's right back for Portugal actually? Because I know a lot yeah, of Wolves. Gallo, I isn't it? Oh, is it? Mm. Yeah, that good. Uh, right, let's let's get straight into the football talk for tonight. Obviously, in the last couple of hours, there's uh, news that's been spiraling out on on Twitter that Wolves uh, is he technical director, sporting director? Scott yeah. Sellers appears to be on his way out of Molyneux. Um, it's it's been sort of an, an inevitability with the recent uh, appointments of Julian Lopetegui and a lot of his backroom staff, including Frank Garagotha, who uh, Gully has done a great uh, insight video with David Cartledge from ESPN. If you check that out on our YouTube uh, channel, guys, uh, like I said, inevitability. But what's your thoughts on on that news, Rich? It seemed inevitable. If, if we're going to be honest, even just on the sway of public opinion and the fact that they brought in a technical advisor who is somewhat more qualified than Scott Sellers, if the writing felt on the wall. And yeah, I, I don't think Scott Sellers is like the root cause of everything wrong at Wolves by any stretch of the imagination, but he ain't that far off it. Like He, he has been culpable for a lot of the things that haven't been right with this football club in the recent months slash years, you could say. Um, I just don't think he's necessarily got the skill set to do it at this level, unfortunately. So hopefully, new regime, new blood coming in. There's talk of us not being as dependent on Jorge Mendes as well. Um, so 
I think the, the timing feels right, doesn't it? And, you know, it, it's not been a great era in terms of technical directorship at Wolves. Just touching on what you said there about not being so constrained by the uh, the Mendes muzzle. That's surely got to be a positive, Luke. Um, depends who's making the decisions. It, that, it, it all depends. I mean, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the new guy's name, but... Um, I mean, is he going to be in, in control of, of transfers? Is it going to be Hewlin? Who's going to have the final say? Which, for me, that 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 sits a lot easier with me. I'd rather it be the manager who has final say, more so than than Scotty Boy. Or, but I'm not I'm not one of these who's massively against Mr. Mendez's involvement. I personally think he's done more good than bad. You know, he's, ne- he's never going to get, we're never going to get a 100% hit rate on transfers through through Mr. Mendes. Um, but on the whole, you know, would we've got Neves without him, Jota without him, who else has he brought in? You know, the list, the list is at least, I think. Um, so I think he's, he's, he's done more more good than bad. But we'll see. It's It's a new era. It's a new chapter. And it's exactly what we needed. Yeah, I think it is borderline unavoidable at this point for any club who, I guess, has a continental outlook to not be somewhat involved with Jorge Mendes just because of the sheer reach that he has. It's like saying, um, I've completely blanked on the other super agent. Um, You know, Mini Rayola. Yeah. You know, you. Yeah, that's it. That's one. You're going to have these players, aren't you? you know, it's like um, Man United. They had a period where they had about five or six Jorge Mendes players. They almost had as many as we did, but it's not seen in the same light, is it? But as you say, hopefully we've just got a fresh impetus and we can kind of move forward. And it, is, it seems to have very much sound. And you're completely right, Luke, in terms of, you know, was it in the Ask Wolves series when Scott Sellers said, you know, I don't want to be signing any players who... Bruno Large once, but I don't. Mm. And that, that's, you yeah, really that was a massive, that. massive statement that Scott Sellers made yeah. during that Aspen yeah. Wolf series. A lot of sort of statements where it just seemed to suggest that he was higher than higher within the club than what we fans sort of envisaged. That's that that sort of comment that they needed to all agree as a committee on what players were signed, but. If Scott Sellers didn't like a player that Bruno Large did, it didn't get sanctioned. It's it's, yeah. it's it's a bonker situation, but I still think it. The, one of the biggest things that's that's come out of the whole situation with Scott Sellers is that he has become a massive fall guy for Jeff Shee. Yeah, Jeff Shee is is still somehow going under the radar for the the justified criticism that needs to go his way. Um, what's your thoughts on that, Luke? He's, he's got a lot to answer for. Again, I think um, that needs looking at what Jeff She's involvement going to be moving forward. But one thing that I would like to feel pretty confident on is I don't think Lopetwegi will take any shit off Jeff She. I think he knows what he wants. He knows his direction. He knows his philosophy. He knows where he wants to be. And Jeff She, I don't think he's going to be able to sort of um, de- derail that. Whereas with with Bruno, 
I, I mean, I said it on the podcast months and months and months ago. Bruno Large, like, the job was too big for him. Like his personality, his reputation, his, mm. his whatever else. Whereas now we've got Lopetwigi, Lopetwigi, however you say his name. Um, it almost feels like we've got a manager who's bigger than the club, in a sense. There are no nobody's bigger than the club, but you know what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, he's definitely coming with an, with an aura about him, hasn't he? Mm, which, like yeah. you just said, Bruno Large may have been a, a good coach. I still feel like he may be one of those people that fall into the good coach, not a great manager category. He's, he's been rumoured to take it over to Corinthians in Brazil at the moment. So whoever it was in our WhatsApp group that said he's, he's, he's fallen upwards, he's, he's, he's pretty spot on, Rich. Yeah, um, I think it's definitely going to help. Because for me, your head coach and your sporting director, technical director, how you want to dress up, they have to work in tandem, don't they? And yeah. it makes sense that they can't follow each other it, going from club to club. So having Scott Sellers, who's been there a while, to then going from Nuno to Large, you, in theory, we're going through different cultures. We're going through different systems. And to be able to adapt, that takes an awful lot of skill for Scott Sellers, which, you know, without saying too disrespectful, that is a big thing to be able to kind of systematically govern within a football club. And you're right. It, oh, it's first impressions. It's he- it's edited. It's whatever. But when Lopetegui's walking through that, uh, walking through Compton, or he's on the pitch and he's you know, geeing up Adama Traore, you're like, yeah, th- this is a guy who these play- you're gonna follow, and you instantly go, yeah, we we ain't fucking about with him. Mm-hmm. And you know, he, I- I'm a big fan of Fran Garagaza. Who are we going for? Just because he, because he looks like he's about my mine and your height, Dan. But I would back. I would up. love to be your height, Rich. I would. <laughs> I would pay good money for that. Let's get, let, let's not blow smoke up my ass, Rich. It's Friday night. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm Matinho height and you're Podence height, so we're not exactly. You know, we, we we're not uh, we're not covering corners. But Fran looks hard. Like when I saw the photos of Maul holding that scarf and saw him on him at the end, I thought that man will make you run fucking laps. And you know what? Bring it on. That's that's all I'm saying. I think we need it. I think with Bruno though, I feel like it got to a stage where the players had, had lost respect for him, and and it seemed like the players were sort of calling the shots. Whereas that can't happen. And I don't think there's not a player in that squad who can sort of, not bully, but... Ugh. Undermine. Yeah, undermine Lopetwagi. It's, it's just not going yeah. to happen. We we had that conversation yesterday in the WhatsApp group, Luke, um, with with the news that came out this week that Tony Roberts was going to be staying on the, the backroom staff of Lopetwagi. So many times during last season, it, it appeared, if you didn't know any better, that Tony Roberts was... Was the head coach in that in that sort of technical area in Wolves game that the way he was barking out orders? So how how are the players supposed to react respect Bruno Large when there's orders coming from left, right, and centre with no sort of general cohesion? It's it's massively frustrating. But a lot of people keep asking me at work and and, and in my personal life what what have I made to the appointment of Lopetegui? And two of the sort of main things that stand out for me is I don't believe 
he would have taken this job on unless he was assured back in within the January window. And for me, he cannot afford for a relegation to be on his CV at Wolves based on his sacking at Sevilla in the position that they were in before he left. No. No, he's he's got to have been told something positive. I mean, to get him in the position we are in is massive. Like, I, I, I kind of still can't believe it's actually happened. He should be going to, like, a Newcastle who were in their current form yeah. and, and, and situation. Massive, massive, massive appointment. And don't get me wrong, um, Emery for the Villa, very good appointment. But we've, we've if this is top trumps, bang, how do you like this one? Lopetegui, 99 charisma. It's it's a it's a bold statement that Luke because I I think oh, I don't think there's much between Emery and Lopetegui. I, I really don't. I, I feel I, I feel Emery had a really <laughs> tough hand to play at Arsenal with the squad that he was dealt with. It was they had quite a toxic group at the time. He still managed to get them. I think he I think they finished fifth under Emery at Arsenal. He got them to a Europa League final. Lopetegui um, obviously won the Europa League with Sevilla. But Emery in recent times took a really small Villarreal side all the way to a Champions League semi-final, which I think they were leading something like three 0 against Liverpool in the in the first half of the second mm, of the yeah. first leg. So I, I really don't know what how much is between them. Obviously, we've just got to hope that Lopetegui as is as special as his CV suggests. Because let's just let's just be fair. We just need to stay up this season, and then yeah. he, he needs he needs a full summer transfer window mm. to properly stamp his mark on this club yeah we, yeah we are kind of approaching that if we finish 16th it's a good season and just going to next year or you know newcastle set the blueprint in terms of the position we're in now to just claw your way back up into somewhere respectable survive and just rebuild make key acquisitions in those tricky areas we all know that Wolves despite spending 100 million on the spine of their team probably need to spend another 50 plus million on the spine of our team in January it's as simple as that and you're completely right that he wouldn't have come here if he wasn't promised that we're gonna recruit hope you know a new centre centre forward at the bare minimum to help drag us through getting a new centre half it just to either be above what you know, be above what we've already gotten to really kind of push our two more inexperienced centre halves along the way. Otherwise, all that will happen, and it's going to be kind of the downside of maybe Lopetegui, is if we don't back him, will he just walk? Because he's been someone who, let's be honest, has always been kind of fairly flimsy. You know, he got he was approached by Wolves in 2016, supposedly turned it down at the last minute when a better job came in, was about to take um, Spain to the World Cup, got, you know, got the call from Real Madrid and moved on. And I do kind of think that actually if he's not backed, he, you're right, Dan, he won't want it on his CV. So if we're in the same situation... I don't think situation, he can afford to have it on his no, CV. no. So could you see a situation where, I don't know, mid to end of February, the 
you know, we haven't acted decisively in the transfer market and we're still 19th, 20th, that, you know, he goes, you know what, I'm not having any of this and, you know, jump ship before it goes really, really bad. I don't know. We've got well, Terry Burt if... in the comments section. On paper, we should be at least a top 10 side. We've needed a new manager with new ideas and boy, have we got that now. Yeah. Are we a top 10 side on paper? I don't think we're that far off, really. We should I be at least a top we're... 10 side. I've, I think yeah. you look at some of the players that we've still got within the squad. I think our, our best 11, when everyone's firing, it is probably a 9th to 13th play side. On its, yeah. on its within the current squad, but like you mentioned, just rich, we, we massively need a striker. I still feel like we need another centre back because I, I made my, my uh, point in the in the WhatsApp group earlier that um, Scott Sellers deserved uh, sacking for his involvement in, in bringing in Nathan Collins because I'm really, really not impressed with the the performances that he's put in recently. I felt him and Kilmer started off okay, but both of them next to each other, they're just they they look inexperienced at Premier League level, which you look at their Premier League appearances tally, it's, it's not high, is it? Um, Julian Lopetegui did uh, talk about Raul Jimenez uh, in his comments within the last week, saying that he should be putting club before country. But this week, earlier in the midweek, he played 45 minutes for Mexico in a 2-1 defeat uh, against Sweden. If, this is, if, you, if you've seen some of the videos online, he looks, as I said on Twitter, grossly unfit. Uh, what have you made this, about the situation, Richard, in regards to him and Ezra playing for Mexico? I think, at best, the PR around it has been really badly handled. Uh, at best. Because there's no... It's within realms of possibility, right, that he's been struggling with injury and it has all been to build up to the World Cup. And look, he clearly ain't match fit because he hasn't played for two and a half months. And he's already, you know, he's already carrying niggles and things like that. So it's a shame to see him put himself through that to what looks like it's not going to get a reward. At worst, he's been negligent to the club that's paid his wages and supported him last several years. And, you know, is it for me? It's just indicative of the outlook of the club in terms of, you know, I think if we had a, I don't know, a stronger board slash management structure, we're not getting the piss taken out of us by the bloody Mexicans. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. Like, do you know, like, where we obviously we're not, but you couldn't see a situation where. It's cliche, I know, but like Sir Alex Ferguson wouldn't have stood for this. Just get rid of him. Just get rid of him. Let him Absolutely. just let him go and retire for LA City or one of those sort of like Latin speaking teams in the MLS. Let him do all these adverts and whatever, his Instagram promos, and just be done with it. He, for me, now I know I know it's 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 very split the camp on roll, but for me. He's, he's he's took the piss. I just don't see now. If somebody can educate me, I'm more, I'm all ears. How do you go from being on the bench against Southampton to having fatigue to then having this injury to then jetting off to Mexico or wherever he went to go and be treated by 
by their medical team to to then playing 45 minutes against who did they play Sweden or yeah I just don't yeah. get it from from being benched against Southampton to the fatigue to this injury it makes no sense and what, what Rich has just mentioned the whole PR around the situation has been diabolical from start to finish you've just done like a sort of um a timeline of the situation and then I'm not sure whether it was the back end of this week or early uh, this week that Mexican national team came out with some sort of story saying that the Wolves uh, medical staff had misdiagnosed his injury. Yeah. I was going to say, because I think the injury that they most recently claimed he had, it, it is like a bit of a long-term niggly injury. And from what I have gathered, I can't remember the name of it. It's almost like the precursor to potentially getting a hernia. So you almost just need to do a lot of rest for it. But again, it's the, the handling of the whole situation. Because if if the club have just said in, was it September when he first got injured, wasn't it? It was a Southampton game. Mm-hmm. So it would have been end of August, start of September. Yeah. If yeah. they'd have just said, He's got a groin injury. He's going to be out for up to eight weeks. That's fine yeah. because we'd have all gone eight weeks. And then to add to yeah. that, if he would have had 15, 20 minutes off the bench against Leeds in the cup and then went yeah. to Mexico for the World Cup um, rehab and, you know, tried to gain a bit more minutes before the actual tournament kicked off, maybe yeah. Wolves fans would have been a bit more lenient. But like you just said, Rich, yeah. the PR of the whole situation has been farcical. Who's made the decision for Raul Jimenez to go to Mexico without doing any sort of strong rehab work at Molyneux? How much say has Jeff She had in this? I know there has to be some sort of, um, I don't want to use the word like sympathy or, it's probably loyalty because I think most Wolves fans before all of this scenario wouldn't have been too fussed about Raul making so much effort to play for Mexico. No, no that's most likely going to be his last World Cup mm-hmm. based on him, which he's, he's given to Wolves over the last mm-hmm. two years on the back of his massive head injury. But just the whole communication between the, the yeah. clubs to the fan base has been terrible. Well, that's you know what, what I mean. Yeah, It would, it would probably be um, easier to take if we are sitting in mid-table. But I think the position yeah. we're sitting in, you know, we need all hands on deck. And it looks to me like he's just completely down tools. Now, when, like Richard mentioned, all the PR around it, you've got Mexico saying he's on the bench against Iraq because it's good for his mental health. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't really want really to talk bad about it and, and because there may be a really strong mental health element here. So I don't want to sort of discount it completely. But to me, the whole thing just seems really weird. And then you've got Mexico apologising to Wolves for this, that and the other. And and like Dan said, you know, if he was busting his gut to come off the bench 15 minutes against Leeds in preparation for the World Cup, fair enough. But to me, it seems like he's completely just discounted Wolves. For it's... Yeah, because didn't he come oh, back from Mexico to Compton for basically a day? He basically used like, Birmingham International as a stopover. Saw his yeah. wife and kids, and then went to Spain yeah. for the for basically their pre um, probably, pre probably tournament. Packed up, probably packed up the house. 
Yeah. <laughs> this is why. This is why now. You know what? He probably Raul left is... one. Of, uh, he probably left one of his fucking set of anime toys in his bedroom, and he wanted to take it back to Mexico with him. <laughs> but like Raul, Raul has, he, he's done fantastic things for the club, and you know that's something that I suppose we have got to be grateful for. But on the other hand, I feel like as a fan base and as a club, we've supported that man, and we've sort of. I don't want to say he was nothing before Wolves, but he kind of was. Yeah. And like Dan said, there should be, and I know there's no loyalty in football, but come on, man. Come on. Just, just like a bit. For some, I, I don't think it helps that he is obviously a very PR-driven footballer. In terms, yeah. you say, we talk about how much he, you know, he posts on social media, the amount of, you know, the sponsorship endorsements stuff he does. That there's nothing stopping him from saying, you know, working hard to make sure I'm fit for the World Cup. And we get it. I'd get it. Because obviously he's not fit now. So he hasn't been fit since, you know, mm. since X, you know, when, mm. whenever. But, but, he's, say, but he's been, he's, he's, his wife or his like fiance hasn't been helping with situations, though, has she, with some like, social do. media comments. Um, but I was, I was trying to be really lenient towards... Jimenez, and obviously we've been his last World Cup, but um, I still feel like we've been going in a bit too hard on him, purely based on the fact that since the, the horrific injury, he's been probably a 5 out of 10 at best in every, every one of his performances since coming back. So it just hasn't helped with the current predicament that we're in, in league position and form. But for me, he, he hasn't been a massive miss. It's just it's just been a bigger miss than any of us would have ever wanted because of how bad we're struggling in the league. Yeah, yeah. yeah as, as Luke said, if we're mid-table, this wouldn't be an issue. If he'd had a good season last season, it wouldn't be an issue. It's it's simply because Wolves are misfiring, and he was misfiring. And again, it doesn't help. He had a really solid pre-season, didn't he? And he looked he looked sharp. He looked good, and but he just came into the season unfit by the end of it because he picked up a couple of knocks and uh, you know they, they talked about the whole mental health thing and I completely get that he went through such a huge rehab like li- quite literally the hardest rehab any professional footballer can do like but, but you think of players who have had a similar injury who have ended up having to retire pretty soon afterwards mm-hmm. like Ian Hume and then to get, you know, it's a niggling injury, but to then actually be able to go, mentally go through that again, it, it must be so hard for him. And, uh, I, I mentioned it on a show a few weeks back now about um, an NFL player called Andrew Luck who'd gone through similar stuff in terms of really, really bad injuries. Like he had lacerated kidney, tore his throwing shoulder, picked up an ankle sprain, and he went, I can't, I can't do eight weeks rehab. I'm going to have to retire. I'm not putting my body through it. Again, I can't mentally do it. And I get it if that was the issue. But at that point, I'd rather him just throw the towel in rather than what it feels like we're about to see in this World Cup, which is just going to be a shadow of one of the best strikers in, in a generation for Wolves. And it's going to be so shitty, isn't it, when we watch if we're watching this World Cup and we, you know, he plays 20 minutes and he just looks dog shite. And that, that's, that's not what I want to see, I want to see Wolves players on the international stage performing as best as they can do. But it's got to the stage now where I hope he has a terrible World Cup. And yeah. that might sound really bad, but I do. I hope he has a terrible World Cup because 
and do you know what? If I'm wrong, fair enough. I, I might just say, you know what? I was completely bang out of order what I said about Jimenez. But as it stands, and with the knowledge that I hold, um, it's taken the piece. I hope he has a shit World Cup. I hope January comes and we sell him as soon as possible to the MLS. And then we can crack on with our season. He can crack on with his career. And what he does after Wolves, I, I really don't care, to be fair. But it's a shame that it's left such a sour taste in the mouth. Ethan now in the comment section is on a completely different vibe to you there, Luke. Mexico, Argentina was on my birthday. I would love to see Raul Jimenez back. Um, <clears throat> I did put a, um, a message in our WhatsApp group earlier. Oh, no, sorry, actually, on uh, Twitter. If uh, Raul Jimenez to be the top goal-scoring strikes, top goal-scoring player from the Premier League at the uh, World Cup, 100-1. to 1. So if you bet £10 on Raul Jimenez to be the top goal-scorer of the Premier League at Qatar, you will win. Zero. <laughs> it's that. It's that simple. Because, like what Rich says, it's just watching Jimenez in this tournament. If he does actually feature, because I don't know how Tata Martino from Mexico can even be considering having him feature in this tournament. Because we we posted the highlights from the two one defeat um, Mexico had to, to Sweden. Jimenez cannot reach a sprint. He's got no mobility. It it, it looks like he's had two years out of the game. I always said, coming back from the he the head injury was a really tough job to come back from. Never mind adding the sort of, the deconditioning of being out of football for as long as he was. It's just, what Rich says, it's going to be so sad to see him go out like this. I just hope he's able to put some sort of performance in so we can get try and get some reasonable feedback for him because the last thing I want is, is Jimenez on our, on our wage bill for the rest of his contract because it got to the point last season where everyone who knows me, it was shocking to hear. But I even said I'd have had Cotrone over Jimenez last season. He, he was that bad. And I feel like he's just become um, a, a burden on the club at the moment. And instant access in the comments section has said, Raul Jimenez or Fit Costa. And it's, an, it's a, it's a no-brainer for me. It's, it's, it's Diego. To be honest, 80% Diego Costa is better than Jimenez mm. for me now. Mm. I mean, with Jimenez, it... It is sad at the same time because um, it's like, you know, when you see boxers in the 50s and they're still having a knock. Yeah. It's like yeah. that, ain't it? Danny Williams, punch drunk. Just sad to see. Anyway, press the like button if you're happy Scott Sellers is about to be sacked by Wolves. <laughs> I want 100 comments in the next two minutes if you uh, <laughs> don't want us to talk about the World Cup. Um <laughs> Guys, well, I'm going to do a little bit of a Wolves-based uh, World Cup quiz before oh. those 100 comments come in. First question tonight, I'm going to, obviously, it's a, it's a maths round, so I'm going to ask you a question, and you have to give me the correct figure based on the uh, the two scenarios when you put them together. Okay. First question is, the shirt number Steve Bull wore at Italia 90, plus the amount of goals he scored for England... You better not be typing there, Rich. I want to say... I'll come to you first. So, the number we wore in Italia 90 and the number of goals he scored the, for... The number shirt he wore in Italia 90 and the amount of full England goals he scored for England. I know how many goals he got. I'd say I got a clue what he got. Yeah, so... Uh, 
I'll I'll Come have on, a first. I'll go for twenty three. See, I was torn between twenty three and twenty four, so I'll go twenty four. Twenty four. Martin W was... in the comments section has said thirty one. Richard said twenty three. Lucas said twenty four, and the correct answer, his shirt number was twenty one. Oh, and the amount of all England head. goals he got for England was four. Correct answer is twenty five. Oh, so if, it, if there's any uh, Ita- Italian United England shirts, get yourself number twenty one on the back. Andrew, and I, I'm definitely going to come to your question. Um, I'm going to do it now because I, I forgot last week. Uh, Andrew Knight's missus wants to know how little is little Dan, and the answer it's, is it doesn't matter until because I am long down. <laughs> okay. Second question is the amount of full international goals Robbie Keane scored for Ireland minus the shirt number he wore for Wolves on his first team debut. Okay. I ain't got a clue. 20. Rich? I was going to say, I'm, I'm pausing and realise, you know, Silence in an audio production is exactly great, is it? I'm going to go for 30, 32. I reckon you got a lot. I'm thinking. I, I've con- yeah. 14. Like, come on. I'm, I'm locking in 32, hard? Rich, because I need to speed the episode on. Yeah. Um, well, well, instant I'm access happy. in the comment section has gone for 14. Luke's gone for what was it, Luke? 20. 20. Luke, uh, Rich has gone for 31. 30, 32. 32. The amount of goals Robbie Keane scored for Ireland was 68. Fucking hell. Who has he played? The shirt, number, the shirt number that he wore on his Wolves debut was the number eight. So the correct answer is 60. Oh, right. Question three. Question three. Uh, it's another shirt number. The shirt number John DeWall wore at USA 1994 oh for Holland. Oh, God. And the, and the amount of goals he scored for Holland in the World Cup 1994 qualifying campaign. This is what I mean. What's the point? Why? <laughs> because it's my quiz. The shirt number he wore at 1994 for Holland and the amount of goals he scored for Holland in their qualifying campaign. I'll come to you first, Luke. He wore number 14 and he scored two goals. Luke's uh, answer is 16. Rich? I'm going to go for... Is it plus? Sorry, do you say it's plus them? Yes. Shirt number plus the amount of goals he scored in the qualifying campaign. So I'm going to go for 18 total the shirt number he wore at usa 94 was the same shirt number as steve ball 21 and he scored twice for holland in their qualifying campaign so the correct answer is 23 i mean still nil nil drop a comment <laughs> if you got that right <laughs> drop a like button if you got it wrong and there's like there's there's 2 million and 40 viewers watching tonight so uh, if you can all <laughs> drop a quick like 
be great. Uh, the next question, and it's and it's it's a very very recent uh, shirt number one. Add together all the Portugal shirt numbers of Jose Sar, Ruben Neves, and Matias Nunes this upcoming tournament. Jose Sar, Ruben Neves, Matias Nunes. What do their shirt numbers add up if you add them all together? I'm going to come to you first this time, Rich. Uh, what kind of uh, mind works out these questions by instant access on the comment section? What I mean? The mind of a maniac. 39. <laughs> Luke? 38. He's lowballing me. Yeah. Yeah. The correct answer is 53. Jose Saw is 12. Yeah. Oh, I had him as Ruben Neves is 18. Oh, I had him as 8. Neves is 18. Yeah. And I think maybe Bruno Fernandes might be 8. Um, oh, and Mateus Nunes is 23. So the correct answer is 53. The last one, because you're doing so well, guys, keep with us on this. <laughs> the shirt number Havard Flow wore at Fans 98. <laughs> Plus the amount of league goals he scored for Wolves. Mm. I want to see. I want to see more answers in the comments section tonight, guys. The shirt number Havard Flow wore at France nineteen ninety eight. Plus the amount of league goals he scored for Wolves. I'm going to come to you first, Luke. Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Rich. Thirty. The shirt number he wore at France 1998 was 17. The amount of league goals he scored for Wolves was nine. The correct answer is 26. I don't know who I won the quiz. As soon as you from the quiz master and made the questions. I knew I shouldn't have come on. Let's talk about the upcoming World Cup because that's what this programme's all about tonight. Wolves have upset us so many times the last uh, few months that we need some sort of positive talk. Oh, I've got World Cup fever now. I've got my England top on. Seven Beckham on the back. I'm, I'm ready for uh, Monday. 21 ball. Uh, 21 ball. Uh, yeah, 21 back of Luke shirt and Rich has got some green-based jumper on, which may be... The, uh, I'm actually uh, wearing uh, underneath. To... I really should be. I really should take the jumper off, but you know me too well. I'm actually wearing a fancast t-shirt underneath. Um, you know, still stuff. still representing. Available on Redbubble for anyone who's interested. If you want a fancast t-shirt or fancast jumper or a fancast hoodie, email podcast at wolvesfancast.com with your size and address, and if we get anything between twenty and thirty pound, and we'll have it out within a week. We'll a t-shirt 27,000 likes and we'll give out a t-shirt 200 likes on this video and i will come round your house and cook you dinner one night let's talk about world 2022 300 likes and little dan will show that geezer's missus just how big little dan is that i'll call me the babby elephant for nothing <laughs> anyway, World Cup 2022 kicks off on Sunday. 
2 p.m. the opening ceremony begins. And one one of the questions I'd like to ask you both is the only um, announced uh, act for the ceremony so far is Korean K-pop band BTS. No other acts have been announced yet. What act would you like to see perform at the opening ceremony on Sunday? Come to you first, Rich. I was about to say some. I was about to say, oh, Kanye West. He'll he'll go down a storm there, but that might land me in hot water. He, um, he needs the money, Kanye does. Yeah. Um. It'd be a good. Act. It sounds bad when I say it. Does anyone care about the opening ceremony of a World Cup? My mate does. He cares about the opening ceremony for everything. Is his name? It all depends who's performing. I mean, if 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 Shakira or or someone like Dua Lipa's giving it large, I'm I'm keen to watch for a good two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I, me personally, I, I would love to see DJ looking MC neat there, or maybe Oxide and Neutrino just have an old school garage set and just shut Qatar down, man. It's. It's going to be an opening ceremony to remember because the scenes that we're seeing from Qatar at the moment isn't great. And um, let's be honest, it's going to be it's going to be remembered by those who are there because they can't get pissed to watch it. I think they can drink alcohol, but I think you've got to be at least four thousand miles away. Yeah, and, and or, as you, well. or you can drink it in a box that's going to cost you sixteen grand. So if I was if I was Budweiser now, the way that they've been shafted by Qatar, they're still able to sell Bud Zero. So what I'd be doing is switching the labels and just telling people when they come to the bar, what do you want? And then just dealing with the uh, aftermaths afterwards because I'm all for the Middle East getting a World Cup. Every country, every continent should have the right to host a World Cup. But you have to buy into the rest of the world's cultures and ways of living. It's just it's become a it's become a farce now. Football isn't supposed to be run by negativity. It's supposed to bring people together. And the way this tournament's leading up, something's going to happen bad during this tournament with the oppressiveness that the Qatar government are bringing on this on this tournament. I don't want to try and get into the politics of it all because it's it's just unfortunate. I'm just uh, I just hope everyone who does make it over there has a good time. Hopefully England do well and uh, hopefully Lionel Messi doesn't win it. But we'll come to that a bit more in depth. Let's look at sort of Group A this evening, gents. I'm going to come to you both. Obviously, we've got Group A there. Netherlands, Qatar, Senegal and Ecuador. I'd suggest that Netherlands are likely to win that group. But how do you see Qatar finishing in that group? Do you see them actually buying the way through? Or is it going to be an embarrassment for the hosts? If if they've not brought their way their way out of that group, they they should lose every game by three, four, maybe five, six goals. And what's, I your, hope what, what's, your, what's your thoughts on uh, on Group A, Rich? Do, how do you see this actual group ending up? Uh, we'll, we'll put Qatar bottom of the group. Yeah, I think I think, we, I think we're, we'll... we're going to hope that they're not going to buy the way through this tournament with with referees and players. And there was a rumour yesterday that they've, they've already tried to bribe Ecuador players up to US$7 million, US dollars, which we hope is just false because that's the last thing football needs. But who's going through that group, A, eh? uh, which I'd suggest is probably Netherlands finishing top of the group. Who's yeah, going through I'd, I'd have been really confident. I'd have had Senegal, Senegal down to genuine dark, dark horse for a competition if they had Mane fit, who's been ruled out. But yeah. I think they've still got a really strong squad regardless. 
So I'd be tempted to keep it almost as it is on screen. So Netherlands finishing top, Senegal, Ecuador, then Qatar, hopefully. I think the only reason why Qatar wouldn't finish bottom is if they, let's say, get a point against Ecuador first game and they have slightly better goal difference um, losing to the other two teams and, you know, Senegal and Netherlands pump Ecuador. But, yeah, I think it's a real shame for Senegal because, obviously, they won the African Cup of Nations. So they have been going into into this tournament thinking they got a really good chance at make it, making headway into the competition. But I think st- they still should have enough to get through the group. But it's you know whether they can get past the, uh, the round of sixteen. I think. Luckily, just mentioned there, Sadio Mane is apparently injured. He's not going to make the World Cup. He may have one more World Cup left in his career after this one, which is a bit unfortunate if he is going to miss out on this one. Let's get to obviously the main group that the majority of people are going to be caring about in this chat tonight. Mm. England in Group B. We kick off our kick off our campaign on Monday, one PM against Iran, and then United States of America face Wales. Any sort of glimmer of a England exit or a massive banana skin of embarrassment for you, Luke, with that group? Nah, we win all three games, um, and we should win them all comfortably. I believe I think Wales will finish second though, but that it's it's a really poor group, really poor group, and then USA USA will finish above Iran. Um, but I mean, I know there's no easy games in international football, but we should breeze that group, and if we don't, then it, it's a bit of a concern. Yeah, I, I did make the comment Same. if we if if England don't win that group, they shouldn't come home because it's mm. on paper. We should just be too strong for them. Wales and United States, we've been, don't, don't want to sound stupid, they are sort of derby games to a degree yeah. due to the history that we've we've got with both countries. So they're both going to be up for it. This is going to be Gareth Bale's sort of swan song for Wales, you'd imagine. Um, I, I'm not really too in-depth with United States squads. Obviously, Christian Perch is going to be one of their main players. Uh, Winston McKenney from... Juventus, but we should just be too strong for those teams, shouldn't we, Rich? Yeah, that that's sort of my thought process. Is England for all their faults, and there are many with them. Um, you know, having ham, a handbrake manager, we are quite tried and tested. You'd like to think, and that at the moment this squad is still at their peak. You know, the likes of Harry Kane is still. This should be his big tournament in terms of his age range. This is where it's his time to shine. And for quite a number of those players, even people right at the front end of their career, like Jude Bellingham, has got a real moment to shine within this, where you look at that Wales squad, you know, this is this is basically Gareth Bale's last chance to do anything. It's good, and, that, and that's if he can, and that's if he can be fit enough to play in all in all three games because he's, he has been struggling for fitness the last yeah. sort of few months. I think he came off the bench in the MLS Cup final the other week to to score a late equaliser, which they ended up winning the game on on penalties. Mm. Keeper Moore's been in all right form for Bournemouth recently. To be fair to him, he'll be leading the line if Gareth Bale isn't fit to start. But you look at the rest of the Wales team. I mean, Aaron Ramsey is going to be a guaranteed starter. 
he struggled for Glasgow Rangers last season. Um, who, who else even stands out in the in the Welsh side? We've got Brennan Wayne Johnson, Carl Williams, Wayne Hennessy. I mean, but he, he, Wayne Hennessy isn't even going to be started. Is he? It's going to be Danny Ward? Is it? Who's absolutely on fire yeah. for Leicester? You know, but they'll still have Ben Davis playing centre back, and I'd be fascinated to see how many players, you know, were in that Wales squad um, for the 2016 Euros. What six years ago now? Compared to the England squad six no, years ago, they've got eight English players in that team. <laughs> I'm sure it's eight eight English players have got in the squad. Lot. Yeah, it is a lot. I don't I don't know where I think in in terms of sort of group wise. I, I still think I think he can all finish top. I think we'll get you know our standard seven points. I don't so know who we're dropping points to there, Rich. Probably. Probably USA, maybe. I think it might just be one of those where it's just a slow, a slow draw. I don't know. You are, you're so cheeky, Rich, knowing the amount of American listeners this channel gets. I know, I know. I'll I'll have a I'll have Nate in my DMs later. It'll be perfect. No, um, I don't know. I, I I slightly pessimistically, I just I'm not quite sure. We'll we'll, we'll kind of beat all three teams. USA are a funny one because they do have some really standout players. They're not I even going to beat Iran, man. Iran will beat USA. Do you reckon? Yeah, because it means more to Iran, doesn't it? They love it. Didn't they draw with them at France 98? Or did the did they beat them at France 98, actually? Did you know what I said to even mag France 98? You're going, yeah. you're going way back there, Luke. I mean, probably was Christian Pulisic even born in '98? I'm, I'm sure they Iran did, and USA. Played yes, in... Iran beat Iran beat uh, the USA two one. A World Cup nineteen ninety eight. At World Cup nineteen ninety eight, Brian McBride scored for the USA. Right, mate. Fair play, Luke. Yeah, that's some fantastic memory that is. And you know, I love a bit of flipping trivia. <laughs> can't wait for that to come up again in uh, <laughs> at the end of World Cup quiz. United States beat Iran 2-1 in 1998, but who did Wolves beat in the third round of the Carabao Cup that year? <laughs> <Same> <laughs> year. Probably, would have been, probably would have been something like the Worthington Cup back in 1998. Yeah. Let's touch on to Group C, because we all know England's going to romp Group B. Uh, group C involves Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico and Poland. Uh that's I mean, it's it's pretty much a, a walk in the park for Argentina when you look at their squad compared to the other three. Let's put Saudi Arabia to the bottom of that group. Who's going through that group of Argentina, Luke? Poland. Yeah. Poland. The Lewandowski uh, yeah. effect is probably going to be the clear difference between Poland and Mexico, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> I've got a sneaky feeling. I mean, I'm probably going to be wrong here, but it's probably more hope than anything. I think Saudi Arabia will nick something off Mexico. Do you mean there's almost a penalty in the 88th minute? Love it. You'd love it. it. I would. That's the only thing that I said the other day is that I just think Mexico, I'm just hoping they can just wheel Jimenez out for a penalty, knowing that if they, if they can pump him full of Vicodin, he can just walk up to the penalty spot without any pain and just send the keeper the wrong way. But as you just said, Luke, maybe the uh, 
Saudi Arabia keeper will uh, read his, his eyes. Who's the manager, Sami Al-Jabir? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I did see that Rigobert song was um, managing Cameroon this tournament, yeah, 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 which yeah. I thought was yeah, a, a mad lovely. stat. Yeah. So mm. we're saying Poland are going through with Argentina in Group C. Yeah. yeah. We'll move yeah. on to Group D. France, Australia, Denmark and Tunisia. Obviously, France, the current holders of the World Cup, missing the likes of Paul Pogba and maybe N'Golo Kante. But they've got some really good midfielders filling in there. Tuchemani and uh, Kamavinga coming through the young lads. Who's going through groups uh, D with France, uh, Rich? See, Australia tend to have half-decent tournaments and can grind it out. I think that's actually a really interesting group, to be Mm. fair. Because I don't think an awful lot separates Australia, Denmark and Tunisia. Um, I don't know. I mean, we, you know, obviously Denmark was so, I was going to say, so relevant in the Euros recently. And I don't know whether they've still got that momentum or not. I'm going to go for Australia, even though they don't have Tim Cahill, you know, being wheeled out. Yeah, they've, they've yeah. no longer got Tim Cahill or um, Mark Viduka. Was it Scott, um, Scott Chipperfield? <laughs> oh, Scott the Chip. Uh, come on, Luke. Let's let's talk a bit of sense for a second. Christian Eriksen, Casper um, Dahlberg, Denmark surely go through that group of France. I've had a I've had a knacker on some group qualification quali- qualifiers, and I've got Australia in my acker. I just thought three to one was really good value. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna have to stick with it now. Sticking with it, France, mm-hmm. Australia, and then Denmark and Tunisia exiting Group D. Group E involves Spain, Costa Rica, Germany, and Japan. I mean, everyone would look to think that Spain and Germany should comfortably walk through that group, but that's the group of death for me because Spain and Germany might will most likely take points off each other one way or another. Um, Japan could always maybe cause an upset. Who's winning that group? And who's is there a chance that you think Spain or Germany could exit that group, Rich? Definitely. Probably, I don't know which one. Um, I know I completely, you know, get... Neither side have got like a proper out-and-out striker, have they? No. But it feels like either one of them could get through on like muscle memory. <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll, they've... Obviously, got enough highly skilled players. I think it might be Spain to miss out. I think I'd, I don't know. Again, Japan just have a funny knack of qualifying um, out of the group stages, and I quite like watching Japan play and South Korea play because they do have a slightly different style to what we're used to seeing. Um, so I think, yeah, I think Germany will top the group. I reckon they beat Spain. Um, draw against and you know that that puts Spain at a deficit. Then getting a draw against Japan. Yeah, I'll, I'll go. Um, yeah, I'll go G- Germany than Japan. I think and you know spice things up. You know, I've been saying in our WhatsApp group for the last two months since uh, Bruno Large was uh, sacked that of we've missed out on uh, Japan's coach, Hajimi Moriyasu. Absolutely <laughs> exceptional coach. I feel he can, up, he can cause an upset in that group. Eh? Spain and Germany, you can't bet against them not um, making it through, but 
Japan under Moriasu. They're the team to watch for me in Group E this uh, this upcoming autumn winter. What we're going to go um, then? Shall we go Germany, Japan, Spain, Costa Rica? It all depends on whether you want the uh, the viewers to think we're serious. No, but do you know what we are? Are we taking this serious that Spain and Germany aren't going to make it through? I know Moriasu is an exceptional coach, but I just I just feel like Spain Spain and Germany's lack of a proper centre forward. Spain have got more. I was going to say Moriatu, uh, Morata, and Germany have only really got Thomas Muller, but they're not like exceptional centre forwards, are they? Could they could they stumble when it comes to putting the ball in the back of net like Wolves have this season? I, mean, I think at, at every single World Cup though. There's, There's always, always one. Always one. Who would have guessed that France would have gone out at the group stage in 2002? Who would have guessed that we would have gone out in the group stage in 2010? No, we got through to the uh, second round. Somehow we. When, when did we have Costa Rica, Italy, and Uruguay? Yeah, that, uh, 2014. You know, who would have guessed that? Um, did Italy not go out in the group stage in about 2006 or? They did it. They went out. So, so there is always there's there's no way that the last sixteen will consist. No, I'm not even going to say there's no way because it would definitely happen then. But all the sort of like bigger nations, one of them won't go at the group, and the manager will be sacked. Always happens. I was going to say and with Germany. Yeah, with Germany, I think someone like. Kai Havertz might really step up as well because he seems I'd, to have a funny knack of scoring in big games. I'd fancy the Germans ahead of the Spaniards, though, to be fair. Yeah. Spain are very nice on the eye, obviously, very good at keeping the ball, but can Morata and the rest of the team put the ball in the back of their net? Let's quickly speed through F, uh, groups F, G, and H. Group F, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. Excuse my ignorance for a moment. Did Theo Corbiano make the Canada squad? Don't believe he did. Drew hasn't mentioned it. No, I don't think he had. There's a lack of uh, social media presence that I've heard about Corbiano recently. So let's put Belgium and Croatia through in that group. Does that make sense to you two? Mm, yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think okay. I think it's going to be Belgium Morocco. Morocco leading Morocco. Yeah, I know. Like they've got Morocco. They've got. A- Fairly strong squad. Um, yeah. out of, Ziyech so... scored from the half, his own half last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was a great goal. Yeah. That was to be fair. Yeah, it's a it's a two it's a two it's like a, a democracy in this situation. Uh, Luke, do you think Morocco go through instead of Croatia? I know I've just gone on about what I've just fucking said, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't. I'm putting Croatia in, Rich, because That's... after this round, I've got to get into the um, the knockout stages after this uh, this table formats. Group G is another group of death, isn't it, Luke? Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland and Cameroon. Serbia and Switzerland. Switzerland have only conceded two goals in qualifying campaign, and they had a good year. I was knocking out France, didn't they? So you, you can't write them off. Serbia have got some good players. Uh, Mitch Rich is uh, in the form of his life at the moment for Fulham in the Premier League. Uh, Brazil, think, Brazil win that group though, don't they? The thing with Serbia is Mitrovic probably doesn't even play because they've got Vlahovic as well. Yeah. They've got Milinkovic Savic in, in central midfield who's an absolute tank. 
Um, they've got some really, really good mm. players. And I said to Dan off air, now this is where the, the viewers will probably think that we're not being serious. <sighs> I don't even want to say it on the internet. Say it. He said it off air that he thinks Brazil are going to go out group G. The silence is definitely <laughs> but, but listen, don't get me wrong. Brazil, fantastic. They're the favourites for a reason. However, like Dan mentioned, Switzerland knocked out France. They've only conceded, what did he say, two goals in X two. amount. Yeah. Serbia's squad, Serbia will be dangerous, man. Yeah. I don't... I, I, could, I could be wrong. I probably will be wrong, but I don't see Brazil getting nine points. Proper whack on George Elikabi's camera and that we're not even discussing them as a possibility. Rich, are you sticking with me that Brazil win this group? Yeah. So who's going through second with them, Rich? Because that, that makes it two to one, Luke. Who's going through with Brazil? Uh, Switzerland. Luke? Serbia. Did you say Cameroon? I'm going with Switzerland on this one, Luke. I'm going to go with Rich on that. I think Switzerland's strong qualifying campaign based on their last uh, tournament at the Euros, they they go through with Brazil in Group H. The last group of the uh, group stages is Group H, Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay and South Korea. He Chan Wang obviously making his World Cup debut for the, the Koreans. How do we feel Huang's going to do in this tournament, guys? Because that's five, sort of... He's going to get five goals. <laughs> I was going to say, I fancy him to score at least a couple in this tournament. He, he, he doesn't seem to do too bad for South Korea. And yeah. I think he, Hyung's, Hyung Min Sun's having a bit of uh, injury trouble at the moment. So Wang's probably their main goal outlet, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the rest of the squad's like. Have they got that fella from Bordeaux who's linked with as well? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Wang Ejo, wasn't it? Something like that. But so, you know me, massive Cristiano Ronaldo fan. Did, did Portugal win that group for you, Luke? I hope so, just because of the Wolves, lads. But it's a difficult group to call. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want England to be in that group. No, I think Darwin Nunes for Uruguay is going to be um, one of the standout performers at this tournament. I think he's an absolute nightmare to defend against because I don't think he knows what he's doing a lot of the time. <laughs> but he's so fast and gangly. I just think he's. An, I could just say it's a nightmare to defend against. Who's you, who are you going through? Uh, who are you saying is going through Group H, Rich? So, I'm a bit split on Portugal because I want the Wolves lads to do well and I want to see Nevers do well. And I can't work out whether the whole Cristiano Ronaldo stuff this week is going to massively hinder them or is this... Is It feels like this type of situation is only going to fuel... Ronaldo, because obviously he said what he said, but I kind of just see him scoring a hat trick and just be like, Yeah, don't we? I'm still relevant. This is why they are in the wrong, and I've proven it. Uh, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, think, no. I'm thinking Portugal, Uruguay, but I will find it hilarious if Ronaldo is shit. I will genuinely find it hilarious to see. To see it kind of crumble in front of us. Go Uruguay, Portugal. Uruguay to win the group. 
Mm. I, I'm going to touch on what Rich has just said there for a minute. I, I feel, and you know, you know my opinions on Cristiano Ronaldo, but every single interview that the Portuguese team seem to be doing at the moment is based on that interview that's come out this week. And it's got to be so detrimental for the, the mentality of the squad. Bruno Fernandes seems absolutely sick to death of, um, of Cristiano Ronaldo. I just feel if Portugal are going to do well in this tournament, it's going to be with Cristiano as a bit part player in the group stage because they've got some exceptional forward players. João Felix is a, is, a, is, a, is a big name for Portugal in this tournament. They absolutely demolished Nigeria last night, but Did Nigeria haven't made the World say. Cup, so it makes yeah. you wonder how much effort Nigeria uh, put into that game. For me, it would be a disaster if Portugal don't make it through that group. But I'll I'll go with Luke on this one. Uruguay to win the group and Portugal to finish second scrappily. The the the, the, the tournament that Portugal won the Euros, didn't they like draw every group game? They finished yeah, third, they, didn't they? Yeah, they, they properly they didn't they didn't win a game in normal time for a good amount of way through a tournament from from memory, did they? No. So that's yeah. that's we'll end group H with Uruguay winning the group and Portugal finishing second. Come on, let's look at the last sixteen then. That's it. Last sixteen. So the first tie is Holland versus Wales, Louis Van Gaal versus Robert Page. Uh, who's <laughs> winning that game? What, what's your thoughts on that game? Uh, Holland Wales. Who's winning that game, Luke? Holland, three one. Holland three one. Uh, Rich, do you agree with that? Yeah. Good because I've already clicked Holland to go through. Match 50 of World Cup 2022 is Argentina versus Australia based on our group stages. Argentina absolutely romp Australia, don't they? 6-0. What, 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 what's your score predictions for that one? 1-0 uh, through a controversial mess, messy penalty. Luke? The big Qatar fixes on. Yeah. Lionel Messi makes it to the World Cup final. Apparently, it will be his 1,000th appearance in football. The big Qatar fix is on. What's your score prediction for Argentina-Australia, Luke? 5-2. 5-2, uh, Argentina. Match 53, Germany versus Croatia, Rich? Yeah, Germany to win 2-0. Luke? Croatia to win on penalties. Ooh, I'm going to go with uh, Germany 2-0. Uh, match 54, which would be an absolute slobber knocker. Brazil versus Portugal. Two of the big favourites for the tournament. Who's winning that game for you, Luke? Uh, you've got to say Portugal, because you've said that they'll, fi- you think they'll finish bottom of the group. <laughs> they'll win it now. They'll win it. They'll win it. <laughs> Brazil. They've made it through the group. They've got momentum there. Cristiano Ronaldo scored in the last minute to take them through the group stage. Brazil 3 1. Ronaldo to get centre. Oh, what about you, Rich? Brazil Portugal? Yeah, Brazil again. I, I can see it being like a proper like curtain close on Ronaldo's international career at the very least. So that would take Germany versus Brazil in the next round. If England make it through as group winners, they will play the runners-up of Group A, which would then be Senegal without Sadio Mane. What's your score prediction for England-Senegal, Rich? 3-1 England. Luke? 2-1 England after extra time. I was going to give some sort of extra time penalties for England uh, to go through. The next game would be France versus Poland, Mbappe versus Lewandowski. Uh, 
France comfortably comfortably win that, Rich? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, we'll go go France to get through. Agree with that, Luke? Yeah, yeah. can't argue against that. Mbappe at trick, uh, Giroud won four nil. Match fifty five, Belgium versus Japan. Hmm. Belgium two 0 De Bruyne masterclass. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the great. easiest the easiest fixture so far, Belgium to beat Japan. And then the last fixture, Uruguay versus Switzerland. You had Uruguay to win the group, Luke, and uh, me and Rich bullied you into having Switzerland go through. So it's basically another uh, me deciding Uruguay versus Switzerland. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Uruguay just to beat Switzerland due to their firepower and the fact that I've backed Darwin Nunes to do a madness during the tournament. Uh, quarter final: Holland versus Argentina. I think we're all leading up to an Argentina Messi final, aren't we? So it's Argentina going through, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Holland on penalties. I'm going Argentina, Luke. I'm, I think I'm Van I'm setting Messi up to lose in the final. <laughs> <laughs> in the next game, Germany versus Brazil. It's uh, oh. For me, I think Brazil are going all the way, so I'm going to have Brazil beating Germany. What, what's your two thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I'm having Brazil as well. Agree with that, Luke, even though you've got no... It don't no, really matter, does it? It doesn't really matter, because I've already picked Brazil to win the old tournament, lads. Uh, England versus France. Do England beat France in the quarterfinal? I personally think that that's where England become unstuck and that's when we start looking at the uh, the terminals for the uh, departure lane back yeah. to uh, London Heathrow or Birmingham where they uh, left from the other day. France will win two to zip and then Gareth Southgate will get sacked. Hurrah. Rich? Yeah, I, th- I, think, it, I think it'll be a 1-0 defeat, but I think it'll be a convincing 1-0 defeat. The, the last quarter-final, Belgium versus Uruguay. See, I feel like we've gone with... A, uh, this one feels like the, the trickiest one to pick. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go Uruguay. Yeah, I've told you, I'm, I'm backing Darwin Nunes to do a madness, so you, it's 2-1, to one, Luke, regardless if you pick Belgium. Belgium squad <laughs> is starting to look a bit tired and old now, if you look at it. Yeah, I mean Kevin De Bruyne and like Eden Hazard and like approaching like they're well, I think they're about thirty plus now. Yeah, possibly, possibly. possibly. So there we go, Darwin Nunes two 0 Uruguay against the Belgians. So the semi-finals are Argentina versus Brazil and France versus Uruguay. That would be an absolute match for the ages. Argentina versus Brazil in the semi-final in Qatar, but. Who's winning that game and why is it Brazil? It's Brazil because you said so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Talk, no, talk me into Argentina beating Brazil. I don't want okay. I don't want Argentina to win it. Didn't Argentina beat Brazil on the way to win the Copa America recently? And I, 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 I believe, believe they Argentina. did when the, the one on penalties, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Argentina on a very long and beaten at the moment. However, I really bad. like your way of thinking, Luke. So you, ba- so sorry, Rich. You I love your way of thinking. So basically, you're saying Brazil are Argentina one. 
So we're going to put Brazil through to the final. <laughs> and then the other semi-final, it's France versus Uruguay. As I said before, Kylian Mbappe up against Darwin Nunes. Who's featuring with Brazil in the final? Is it France to do a repeat of World Cup 1998? Or is it going to be a South American all-final? I was going to say, it's either a repeat of the 1950 final or the 1998 final. Um, I'll go for 98 and go France to go through. What about you, Luke? France or Uruguay? Uh, France, Mbappé. Yeah. 7-0. Um, in, in, in hindsight, I'm not sure how Uruguay have made it through based on my uh, belief that Darwin Uses is going to do a madness. <laughs> so it's going to be a 1998 repeat Brazil versus France. I would love to see R9 in this game again. I don't know if either of you saw the documentary that came out earlier this week on BBC iPlayer. R9, the phenomenon. Try and watch it if you can, folks. Absolutely great. Watch emotional in parts. World Cup final 2022, Brazil versus France. What's your score prediction for that, Rich? Penalties after a 1-1 draw. I'm stalling for time, rather obviously, because I haven't decided. I'm going to go Brazil. Luke, who won the? Did France win the last World Cup? Yeah, yeah. They beat um, Croatia in the final, didn't they? Four two. Yeah, Brazil two 0 I'm going to go with a three nil Brazil. Uh, two for Neymar and one for Gabriel Jesus because he's having a bit of a goal trend. Mbappe will have a funny turn pre-game and there'll be loads of talk about is he in the team, is he not in the team, he's on the team sheet, he's out the team sheet, he won't play and Brazil will win. No, sorry, he will play, but he'll play really poorly. And Brazil will win. Uh, a central midfielder, will, they'll score off corners, they'll score off two corners. Sure. What's that all about? It's just another like propaganda, isn't it? Where they've got Messi just doing, being a goat and winning the, the tournament, winning the golden boot, winning golden ball, winning fucking Eurovision because everyone's just sucking Messi <laughs> off like every other day of the week. If you listen to Football Ramble today, it was like watching flipping Lionel Messi on Babe Station for 24 hours, how much they were sucking him off. It was horrific. I was listening to it on my drive home and I just felt appalled in, in basically the hatred that the football community have got for Lionel Messi. I should have been given human growth hormone injections like him and I could have been in the World Cup. That was definitely rich. Putting Andrew Knight's comments of the goat up in, on the screen there for the uh, the audio listeners and the YouTubers. Lionel Messi will never be the goat. The goat is either Diego Maradona or R9. And on that note, thanks for that, those who have joined us tonight on the Wolves Fancast World Cup 22 preview show. Drop a quick like before you leave. Hopefully we'll be back uh, next week with some sort of coverage on England's Scrappy 1-0 win over Iran, thanks to a Harry Maguire uh, scrambled effort. Thanks for joining us tonight. The show is brought to you by 90min.com and Pixel Yeti Media. Enjoy your weekend, take care, and we'll see you next week. 